This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. Welcome, brothers and sisters, to the 29th of April, the Independence Day of Israel. Israel turned 72 today, sitting at 9.2 million people, which is a miracle in, in every sense of the word. Uh, and it's a very interesting Independence Day as we all ended up spending it independently on our own. And uh, anyway, I hope that you're blessed. I hope that you've had a good time with your families if you've had a chance. And we're ready to, to, to tackle the Word of God once again as we're working through the last words of Moses, the book of Deuteronomy, uh, commentary to the Torah. Uh, we're going to tackle the last part of chapter 7. And um, and see what we can learn. Always learn something. But see what we can learn there. So <clears throat> we will begin with a word of prayer. And uh, so, uh, David Butterfield, could you pray this time? By all means, yes. <clears throat> Let's pray. The Sovereign Father in heaven, mighty God, Abba, we thank you. We thank you for this wonderful fellowship you've allowed us to come to again, Father. We ask you, Father, that as Aaron speaks this afternoon, Father, that you'll open our hearts and our minds to receive your word and to grant us understanding. We ask you, Abba, to explain it to us. We ask you, Abba, to allow us to remember it. And, Father, we ask you to anoint and bless Aaron as he speaks, Lord, that he will hear every word you tell him to speak, Lord, and he will know it. Father, we ask you to strengthen him, to refresh him, and keep him in your favor, in your grace, and in your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So one thing I really enjoy uh, studying with you guys at Christchurch is um, we actually, when we get to wrestle, we wrestle with the whole text, and that includes all the hard parts. Um, and that's great because we it, 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 sometimes I think in the, in the hard parts of the Bible, you can almost get the most learning thereof. And I hope that those people mm-hmm. who are listening um, in podcast land uh, have also had a blessing to be able to wrestle with the hard texts of the Bible. And in this case, the slaying of uh, entire nations. But I will go over the uh, last week's uh, notes. So these notes will be posted online and uh, will come out at the same time as this, this cast, uh, podcast does. <clears throat> So here is our summary from last week, looking at uh, verses 1 to 11 of chapter 7. The book of Deuteronomy gives a distinct call for the Torah to be on the heart of the people of God. Part of the unique feature of this last book of Moses, where he wants to make sure that the law of God is on the hearts of the people. Chapter 4 introduces a clear, defined monotheism for the very first time. Chapter 5 retells and comments on the Ten Commandments. Chapter 6 produces the Shema, an oath of loyalty with instructions to love and to fear the Lord. Yet Deuteronomy is also the most violent of the books of Moses. Chapter 7 introduces the tension between love and fearing God with the command to exterminate without distinction. The land of Canaan, the inheritance of the Jewish people, is not devoid of population. There are seven nations, all larger than Israel, residing in Canaan. 
Firstly, we note that the constant retelling of the wanderings in the wilderness and the redemption from Egypt reminds the people that they were never the original inhabitants of the land. Unlike other historical narratives of ancient peoples in which the myth of the land giving birth to the nation is part of the national story. Right? So the Greeks, ancient Greeks, believe that the Greek land produced the people. They were always there. It belongs to them. They have this connection. Israel doesn't have that. Nationalism at its core for Israel takes a different form. The land of Israel is a gift. It is an inheritance. It is not a right of birth. All right? Now, isn't that interesting? You can't say, I was born here, so this is mine. The, the way Moses is constantly telling the people to remember is, actually, you were born here. This was a gift from God. It was an inheritance from the Lord. That creates a different form of nationalism. Okay? The Israelites are instructed also not to engage in intermarriage with these, new, with these people that they're entering for fear of religious syncretism. That is, ethnicity and faith were not separated in ancient cultures. God had covenanted with Abraham to give him the land in which ten nations dwelt. This is what we find in, uh, in um, Genesis 15. Okay, who's uh, wandering around in the kitchen back there? Anyone? Who's Galaxy A50. Yeah. Who's that? Who is Galaxy A50? <laughs> okay. All right. They just muted. Okay. Well, actually, I just muted him. Oh. Her, whoever. So God had covenant with Abraham to give him the land in which ten nations dwelt. Okay, that's in, in Genesis 15. By the time of the invasion by Joshua, three of these nations have actually already disappeared. The Kenites, the Kenazites, and the Kadmonites are no longer there. Okay? They've disappeared. Israel is told to massacre without distinction, making no association with these people. The enemy are described as more mighty than Israel, but they are not described as more mighty than God. Israel is not commanded to destroy utterly from memory the peoples of Egypt, they are not commanded to destroy Lebanon, Assyria, or Babylon. Only the people of Canaan. Why? What have they done to deserve divine sanction and divine, uh, divine sanctioned execution? Perhaps the answer lies in God's covenant with Abraham, in which he comments that the sin of the Amorites is not yet full. Thus, you cannot yet take possession of the land. In chapter 7, of Deuteronomy 9 and 10 to 10, uh, God says he is loving and faithful in a reciprocal relationship with those who love him. Yet to those who hate God, he will visit destruction on them. The Amorites already have a connection to the angelic rebellion that led to the flood. This is something we've discussed in previous chapters of Deuteronomy. The giants remain among them centered around Mount Hermon, the traditional place of the rebellious angel congre angelic congregation. Perhaps these people held a deep internal hatred, somewhat demonic in nature, 
against the Almighty. Here we learn that Israel serves a God of justice, in which love receives love, but hatred is repaid. Note, during the God-sanctioned invasion, Israelite soldiers will die. They will die performing the will of the Lord. Why does God not protect them? Why does he not do all the fighting for them? This is going to be a traumatic experience for the Israelites. Why does God not protect his people from suffering and psychological trauma? Perhaps the answer, again, lies in history and memory. God has fought for Israel in Egypt. He has fought for them against Amalek. He has provided all the food and the water, guided and led them personally through the desert. Materially, all the clothing has not worn out. He has done everything. Yet despite all this, the people rebelled. Perhaps personal involvement is a key to receiving blessing too. Perhaps obedience is inherent in faithfulness. Perhaps suffering produces the blessing of hope. All right, I think that's a summary from last week's discussion. Any comments on that? That seems to be the, a fair, fair assumption. Great. All right. So what we'll do is we'll pick it up at verse 12 to the end of 7. And uh, I'll read uh, for, the, for, the, for the podcast. And then uh, we'll begin. So I'm reading from an NIV. So don't crucify me, but that's the Bible that I've got in front of me. So here we go. Deuteronomy 7, 12. God says, If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your ancestors. He will love you and bless you and increase your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain, new wine and olive oil, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. You'll be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor will any of your livestock be without young. The Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on all who hate you. You must destroy all the peoples the Lord your God gives over to you. Do not look on them with pity. Do not serve their gods, for they will become a snare to you. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them, even until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. Do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God, who is among you, is a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. 
but the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will give you their kings into your hand, and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. No one will be able to stand up against you. You will utterly destroy them. The images of their gods you are to burn in the fire. Do not covet the silver and gold on them. Do not take it for yourselves, or you will be ensnared by it, for it is detestable to the Lord your God. And do not bring a detestable thing into your house, or you, like it, will be set apart for destruction. Regard it as vile and utterly detested, for it is set apart for destruction. All right. The word of the Lord. Okay. So... Anything there that jumps out at you? This is very similar to uh, last week's. Again, the the call to uh, to to destroy the enemy. I mean, you have a series of blessings at the start about how God's going to be uh, bless Israel. They're going to be fruitful. They're going to have um, lots of stuff. They're going to have success. And then comes um, this the, the last section where. Just wipe out the peoples that that are there before you. Make no association with them. And in particular, do something to their deities and their gods um, with these constant warnings that they're actually enticing. Even though the, the people of Israel have God among them, even though they have seen God do great miracles, yet these false gods are still enticing. Now, why would that be? Any idea? They can see those gods. They yeah, can maybe. touch them. Yep, like it could be as simple as that. Perhaps because God is unseen, then, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And perhaps... Uh, and, and, and maybe that could be one reason why there are sections of our church which are very big in images and constant visual reminders, right? When you walk into a home, you know, they have a big whopping cross in the, you know, on a wall or a various picture so that you're always reminded, no, there actually is a God. Maybe, I'm not sure. Uh, everybody has a different reason for why they either wear a cross, have a cross, do not have a cross, uh, use icons or, or whatever. But it could be, maybe, out of sight, out of mind. Okay. Any other comments on that one? What, what, su- oh, where am I? what surprised me, Aaron, is that surely the first two, three commandments are still fresh in their minds. So it, it always stuns me that they would turn to something that's made of wood or stone, etc. Okay. All right. Yes, that's true. The, you know, it, it's God has given a command to not, not engage in idol worship. So surely this now becomes superfluous. Yeah, it's like, uh, but, but, um, but for what, I mean, God has it here. So it must not be superfluous. <laughs> And, uh, and I, I have a suspicion that, um, you know, we fall into this trap too, all of us. 
um, fall into this trap of, of bringing these idols, whatever they are, into our home. And uh, we can talk about that when we, when we get there. Okay, so um, let's have a look at uh, the actual text in detail, starting at um, verse 12. Yeah, yeah man? Uh, the very first sentence starting off, doesn't it, doesn't it talk about, we have in the King James, because you are listening to these rulings, keeping and obeying them, but doesn't it say something different in the Hebrew, um, something about following on the heels? Do you have the Hebrew there? Uh, Kaylee, do you have it? Kaylee, do you have it? Verse 12. <laughs> Mm-hmm. is healed, but it means in the wake of. Right, that's right, yeah. So in the wake of these laws, or yeah, follow these laws, uh, yeah. You're right, Roddy, the literal um, of Ekev is a heel, but in context it's, 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 it's part of that. It means because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, because of these laws, paying attention to these laws, following after these laws, uh, it's, there's obviously a relationship that you have with the Torah, right? There's some form of relationship that goes with uh, the instructions of God. And if you are careful to actually follow them, then the Lord of God will keep his covenant of love. Right. Now, what does that sound like? Well, mine doesn't say covenant of love. What it says, he'll keep the covenant and mercy that he showed. Yeah. His ancestors. Well, I so think the word, the word is there. I think mercy. Yeah. yeah. So, what is this covenant and mercy? I mean, do you not go back and take a look at what is this these covenants, or is that going to get too deep? Well, I, it, when he says uh, his covenant of mercy, um, which he swore to your ancestors, you go back to all the the, the one the covenants that he's given to uh, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The, the covenant, the, the, the only other covenant that has a particular name is the one you find in um, Numbers uh, where God uh, uh, gives a covenant of peace, of shalom with Pinchas. Right. Yeah. Right? And you go, and that's never, never been done before, right? And, and never been done after. It just seems to be this one obscure Israelite family that God says, oh, I'm going to have a covenant with him uh, forever. Yeah, ooh, that's kind of cool, but there's no no description thereof. Now I'm, I wanna I wanna um, see if we can uh, get to the reciprocal relationship that there is in a relationship with God. Yeah, it's it's not something that we tend to like to talk about, and it's not also something that solely and only defines the relationship. Okay. Um, but there is parts of this reciprocity uh, in the book of Deuteronomy that because Deuteronomy was so popular during the Second Temple period and so influential in the creation of theology of the Second Temple period, you see a lot of it in the New Testament. This reciprocal nature uh, that you have, that people have with God. So if you're careful to follow the laws, then God will keep His side of the bargain. You keep your side, God will keep His side of the bargain. 
and uh, which you swore to your fathers. Um, is there any, any uh, commandments or passages in the New Testament which are reciprocal in nature? If you believe, you'll have everlasting life. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. If you believe, then you'll have everlasting life. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one. That's a very good one. Um, why, yeah. why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do as I say? Oh, here we go. There's another, yes, there's another God. Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? Okay, that's another good one. Yeah. He that keeps my commandments, I will show myself to him. Oh, there's another good one. It's like, okay, Lord, please reveal yourself. And God's like, well, are you doing what I say? Why would I push you? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, it's not something that um, a lot of people like to dwell on, talk on, certainly preach from the pulpit, because it can, if, if said in the wrong way, now, hear me right. If said the wrong way, could lead to people thinking that it's works righteousness. However, try and reimagine the phrase. It's a reciprocal relationship. There are lots of if-then conditional statements in the text. There are, and there, some of them are very beautiful, particularly like the one Ari just said. If you keep my when, I will reveal myself to you. Oh, my God. When, when we realize the nature of love, and that love can never coerce. Love always requires a response in order to respond again. God will never, never force himself upon us. He draws out our love to reveal his own love. Yep. And we're commenting on the, the first verse with regard to the covenant. Yep. The word in Hebrew there is chesed. And chesed, uh, chesed in the new in the Old Testament is as close of a Hebrew word as there is to agape in the right. Greek. Yep. It's, it's the Hebrew equivalent of agape. Yep. Thanks, Arie. Yeah. So his his Brit Chesed. Okay, that's a, a nice one. He's uh, he's loving. Her, uh, and also you can contribution there. Sorry. Um, you see that even um, in Yeshua's statement, um, okay, am I on? Okay, you are, yeah. I'm hearing you. Yep, in Yeshua's, in Yeshua's statement. statement. Yeah, he said that uh, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So it's, it's always reciprocal. Um, uh, Apostle Paul was, um, was trying to teach, and he said that, um, shall we continue in sin, less grace abound? It's, mm. it, it is trying to say that, if we must um, have this relationship, there must be something that has to stop. Um, in the, even in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, I don't think there has been any place where it's not reciprocal. There must always be a condition. All the commandments of God are conditioned. All the blessings of God are conditioned. Um, if you do this, then this will happen. If you do this, and if you listen to the Shema, the Shema is a, is a very popular um, prayer that's made in the Hebrew. And it says, if you hack into these words of mine, then I will make you this, 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 this. It's always been a command. It's always been a reciprocal kind of um, relationship. Even when um, God met with um, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, in Genesis chapter 12, it says that, um, come and I will make you a great nation and this, 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 this. But he went further and said that because Abraham will bring his children according to my ways. In, in other words, he knew that God, Abraham was going to do something that is going to also reciprocate in the covenant which he's trying to bring to Abraham. Um, I think it's not um, an Old Testament or New Testament thing. It's been very consistent throughout the church. Okay. Uh, I would say, Samson, there is a lot 
of reciprocal things. There are a few things that God does without reciprocity. Does anyone know what they are or can mention a few? Yep, Bernardo? Well, didn't we see them last time? He's going to gather us back. He's going to save us, not because of what, of what we do. He's going to renew the covenant yep. because of the promise that was made to our forefathers. Correct. There's, there are, that's correct. There are so lots. We, we, we need to acknowledge there are lots of reciprocal parts of the, of the Bible, a lot, both in Hebrew Bible, both in, in New Testament Greek Bible. Absolutely. However, there are some parts of God's character which are very much, I'm doing this not because you deserve it, not because yeah. you're big, not because you're great, because it was of me. My great name because of my, uh, what's, a, what's an honor and a delight to me, uh, which is a very interesting part of God, something we can't seem to be able to, to do. Aaron, Kay Kay a, yeah? a quest, question. Uh, is there also an element of fear stroke reverence here, but reverence in the form of fear? Because if we don't do these things, it seems like you will get blitzed, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, when God says, I'll treat you just like I treat them. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there is a, there's a definitely an awe and respect for the power and the might of God. And, uh, yeah, and a little bit of healthy fear is a good bit of wisdom. Yeah. Kaylee, did you have some comment? I can't remember. Yeah, I just wanted to ask, where is the passage that says, if you keep my commandment, I will reveal myself to you? Arie? It's in John. Gospel of John. John 14, um, from verse 15, you'll see where Jesus was speaking. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but where does it say I will reveal myself? Reveal. Okay, so I'm gonna have to Google that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I know I know where he says, um, "If you love me, obey me." I know I know that passage. But where does he say, Arya, that he will reveal himself? Fourteen twenty-one. The revelation. It's I don't have the reference. It's in 14, John. Fourteen twenty-one. 1421. Thanks. There you go. There you go. So for podcast land, 1421. Okay. <laughs> Love me, I'll reveal myself. What a fantastic God that is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Enjoy. Oh, if you keep my commandments, I will oh, show myself. Sorry. If you keep my commandments, I will reveal myself. Yes. All right. But, but he would probably say, do what I say. Commandments is a little bit strong and coercive. Do what I say and yeah, I'll show myself to you. Yeah. But in all of it, with, this, with the new covenant, we have this, I call it grace in a sense, that God says he'll write our laws and his laws in our heart. And also in John, there's an example where it says, they ask Jesus, what shall we do to do the works of God? And Jesus, and Jesus answers, this is the work of God, that you believe on him. It's like it is God's work in us that is mm. producing all of this desire to do the things he wants us to do. So it is we have to do it. But it's not that we it's not a work we have to do it. It's a it's a we delight in doing it now. It's a Our reciprocal relationship. Yeah. yeah. It's a reciprocal relationship. Yeah. Okay. So in verse 13, um, this is now Moses speaking uh, about the Lord. 
he will love you and he will bless you. And the blessing uh, comes in multiplication, in the increasing of people, of animals, of, uh, of material possessions, um, particularly the things that were valuable for the people back then, grain, wine, oil. Uh, the, the, uh, the most important ingredient that there was in the ancient world was water. If you had water, you could grow food. If you could grow food, you could feed people. If you had lots of people, you had big armies. If you had big armies, you could take over other people who didn't have such big armies and become empires. Uh, so it was really important to be able to go to a place that could then actually pr produce and sustain a large number of people. Okay. So uh, in terms of love and blessing, you, will, you would actually see these things. These things would become visible to you. You would, uh, the next generation would be larger uh, and more better than the one that had come before. And this included uh, their animals. And this would all occur in the land which he swore to your ancestors to give you. Right? They're not actually in it. The land hasn't produced them. They're not born, inherent, and have always ever been there. Okay, this is again part of the of a different form of nationalism this is a, an inheritance this is uh something that you are given to by by god okay which is an interesting form of nationalism you'll be more blessed than the other people so what does that imply that the other people can also get blessed by god even though they might not know him remember in in, in previous chapters of deuteronomy we discovered that god has actually been working through non-jewish nations to, to do his will, right? You know, he's been using various different peoples to destroy other peoples, uh, and he had also been, been blessing and working with them. So you'd be more blessed than any other people. None of your men, men and women will be childless. I mean, that seemed like a big deal in the ancient world, that uh, people were not barren. Um, and you get all of these blessings from, from uh, Abraham on about how, you're going to have lots of kids and you're going to have descendants as far as, you know, as the stars uh, of the sky and the sand of the sea. Yet in the, uh, you know, in the Abrahamic family, what's one of the big problems with all our heroes? They can't have kids. You they can't have kids. They're yeah. <laughs> right. You, 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 this, this blessing from the Lord, look, you're going to be, it's going to be fantastic. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply. It's going to be great, Abraham. And yet, as you go down, the heroes of God, they always seem to struggle with, with uh, having children. Having so children. It's an interesting tension that um, you know, God is bringing um, to his people. However, here, uh, uh, Israel is going to be um, blessed and multiply. And uh, I was talking uh, on Monday as I was uh, driving home from this uh, funeral um, with an I Israeli, okay, uh, Yoni Hagen, who's the Kablan of uh, CMJ. You remember him, David Vida? Yeah. And uh, Yoni was telling us that when he was born in Israel, uh, in, uh, he was born in 1947, there were less than a million people. Wow! Right, and he's like, oh my gosh! He could. He's looking around at the city as he's driving back. Going, I can't believe it. Look, we have nine point nine point two million people. How did that happen? Where did they all come from? Um, the 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 sheer growth that God has been doing 
uh, on with his people here is it's a blessing. Uh, it's a blessing. It is a blessing. And um, as much as it's got bad traffic, okay, and horrible things, right, and McDonald's and all those other horrible things, um, it is still a blessing. And that's why we're absolutely all convinced that the Messiah is going to return at two o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Yes, yes, to avoid to avoid traffic. Right? That's because he's not that dumb. Right. All right, so uh, you will be more blessed than any other people. None of your men and women will be childless, nor will any of your livestock be without young. So this blessing goes from humans also to the animals under the care of humans. So isn't that interesting that the things that are around us, the, 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 part, the parts of our jobs even, get the blessing flows to that? Now, that's an interesting thought. Yes. You know, what are we doing in our lives uh, that, that the blessing that God gives us could impact them? Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Okay. The Lord will keep you free from every disease. Um, again, a very common way of dying in the ancient world. Uh, obviously, met modern medicine hadn't been invented and various things that we had to fight diseases were not there. So disease was a, uh, a high killer of the ancient world. Uh, he will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt. So when that they were in Egypt, they shared in the disasters that befell Egypt. Mm. So if Egypt had had a good bumper season with, with grain, excellent. Everybody got it. But if, if uh, uh, a plague of locusts came, and they do, uh, uh, we've just had one in Africa, I think, did we not? Um, they suffered a little bit. You know, you, the Israelites would also suffer. They were not immune from um, the prosperity and rise and fall of their taskmasters. Uh, but he will inflict all these diseases on all those who hate you. Ooh, okay, so there's a nice little warning um, to be, uh, be careful uh, when coming up against the Jewish people. Now, some people obviously would argue that, uh, well, this is Hebrew Bible, it's Old Testament, so none of this actually applies uh, today. Yeah, okay, so we can hate Jews, we can try and bomb Israel, and nothing bad's going to happen to us. You know, um, not 100% sure that's a really nice way of thinking. Okay. Um, however, mm. we've just had all these nice blessings, and then God has slightly begun to take it into a more darker tone. And then he instructs his people. Okay? God is not going to do the killing here Israel, which is an interesting thought. You must destroy all the peoples the Lord your God gives over to you. And we talked a little bit about last week as to why these people were singled out for this. There was something about these people that they hated God. There was something about these people that their sin against the Lord had to reach a zenith. Yeah. But once it had then uh, their destruction had to be complete. And uh, do not look on them with pity, which, now why would God have to say that to us? If we're an image of God, then we too should have some type of mercy or to feel yeah. more grace to give to others and to animals and everything else in the earth. 
I think so too, Roddy. I think you see that in, in non-believers, right? People who don't know God still have that image of God in them and they still have a lot of these characteristics. They love animals, they love nature, they love, they love small, you know, small children. You know, they don't want to do these things. And so even though you're getting the commandment from God, you know, go in, go take them out, um, there's this side of us that, that wants to show mercy. So who's a, who's a famous character of the Bible who, who showed too much mercy when he shouldn't? Saul. Yes, that's right. Uh, little buddy Saul was, uh, was meant to wipe out uh, a group ah. of people. Uh, Agag uh, didn't do it. And it ends up producing the scenario that gives us the holiday of Purim and uh, way down, down the line. Sorry, did someone make a comment? Okay. Um, I, what, what you said about the end of 15 is something that I've been seeing a lot lately. There's like a, a new rise of anti-Semitism and right. replacement theology in the Christian church that is rising and rising. And a lot of people, I don't know how it went back to that because it kind of like Stop for 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 a few decades, a couple of decades maybe. Um, yeah, but now and, and and they're just I don't know. They have all these words that they're using, kind of like twisting things, like Zionist, and and they're throwing like everybody under the bus under these um, these new labels and calling everybody like Kabbalist or satanic Kabbalist. And they're throwing like all the Jews or all the Israelites or Hebrews, however would be the appropriate term, um, to, to, to just manifest that hatred upon Israel mm. and upon all the promises. It, it's definitely rising out. And I mean, I, I call it satanic. Um, why it's doing it now? Um, within the church, what, what stopped it before, I'm not 100% uh, uh, sure. Um, but yes, what's interesting for me is in this latest plague, okay, which has affected everybody, um, it, we've discovered that we as a, as a people are not as healthy as we thought. <laughs> okay? Um, in both England and in America, the results are out that 94% of everybody who succumbed to the COVID-19 disease already had pre-existing diseases. Mm. They were already sick. So there's something about our culture that isn't as healthy as we think. Something about our lifestyle that isn't as healthy as as we do, and uh, it took and and so I find that very easy to think. Oh, okay, man, we're we're not we're not as healthy as we but we've got every type of food we could possibly enjoy, and yet we still eat trash. We have every, you know, we have we have every app that on the planet to manage our diets, do exercise, but we don't want to do any of that. Um, it's very interesting that um, with more information, we have still become quite self-obsessed with um, polluting ourselves, um, which is, I find very interesting. Um, uh, he says while reaching for his glass of wine. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, but most of our medicine these days is preventative, not a cure, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yes, that's true, David. Yes. Um, yeah, it's true. This will never be researched by anyone in any clinical setting, but I'm personally convinced that the presence of the Holy Spirit in a human body stimulates our immune system marvelously and uh, Amen. extends God's protection to us. Amen, Aria. I also agree. I do. I could add, I don't know, and I haven't studied, and uh, I don't know the statistic. I personally know of no true disciple of Christ that has come down with the coronavirus. That's not to say we have blanket immunity, yeah. but I do believe that God's will and his protection of strength and health is upon his people. I, 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 I acknowledge most of that, although because um, I do believe the Holy Spirit dwelling in us is very powerful and, and wards off a lot of diseases and gives us lots of blessings. Um, but I also know some very strong believers who nearly died from this disease in America. Really? Yeah. And however... Yeah, I don't, I don't however, doubt that. I do yeah. believe that there however, is... However, I'm also going to acknowledge they are not the healthiest people on the planet. <laughs> All right? So, um, not... Which, not which, goes, which, which goes to show actually that the Lord has a, has a specific plan for each, each one in his family, doesn't he? Well, you, you know, there, I, I remember Michelle and I were in a, um, a meeting... Uh, in North Carolina with some uh, lovely pastors, a, group, a big group of pastors, and uh, we went out to lunch. Um, and Michelle and I were the thinnest people in the room. Um, everybody else um, w w had a, yes, had a different shape, and it was a sort of very round shape um, and a very inappropriate round shape. And, uh, and, and the sort of foods that people were eating Everything's fried. Now these are these are believers, mm. you know? uh, And yet, you know, there's this. Uh, you sort of we think. Hang on, if your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, surely this shouldn't be going on. Um, however, it does, and you know, reap what you sow, mm. uh, which is also both in Hebrew and in New Testament. I'm looking what's behind you, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Okay. So we have to make sure that we we have to wipe these people out, says uh, the Lord. And in particular, don't show pity. I know you want to, but please don't. And in particular, there's the uh, we tack on the the faith aspect of this uh, invasion. Do not serve their gods because they will be a snare for you. you know, there's this, there's this um, again, this attraction to something that you can see. There's an attraction to grass is green on the other side of the fence. There may even be an attraction to aspects of their religion. Uh, particularly I'm here I'm thinking, you know, uh, fertility cults. Uh, where, you know, you can go and worship the Lord and there might be a plethora of temple prostitutes for your uh, pleasure. And, and who wouldn't want to go and worship God uh, in that capacity, you know, two or three times a day? Um, and, that, and so there's this, there's this attraction that, that, that might be there. And God says, look, don't, don't, don't serve their gods. It can be a snare. So best thing to do, wipe it out. Get rid of it. And, uh, and then in verse 17, uh, Moses you know, plays a little bit of rhetoric. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? 
And um, now what's so ironic about that statement? What have we been talking about in chapters two and three again and again and again? Do anyone remember? Which two, which two giant kings did we defeat? Og and Sichon. You know, and so, and again, God has already beaten big, powerful enemies. So this is actually quite a, a, an ironic and rhetorical statement. These nations are stronger than we are. Sure. You know, we've beaten other strong nations too. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. How can we drive them out? And, uh, and so Moses gives his word of encouragement. Do not be afraid. Okay, don't particularly of them. Remember, okay, one of the uh, defenses against um, success, one of the defenses uh, against falling into snares is memory. In this case, biblical memory. Uh, memory isn't about forgetting. It's a constant retelling of the story that you already know. Remember well what your, the Lord your God did for Pharaoh in Egypt and to all of Egypt, okay? Particularly that there's actually a portion of these guys still with us, yes? Entering into this land are the descendants of Egyptians that came out with Israel, yeah. okay? So they're, they're here too. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, or some of them did, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. Okay, these guys are still eating manna. That hasn't disappeared yet. Right? They're still drinking water from a rock. Their clothing has yet to fall out. Right? You know, it's, it's not, it hasn't, that hasn't broken yet. There's the, the, the Mishkan with the fire and pillar, that's still with them. There's a lot of things that, uh, that, are, that are here. So when, when Moses says, you've seen this with your own eyes, of course you have. You're seeing it every day. The, the Lord your God will do the same to these people. Okay? So we've beaten Amalek, we've beaten Og, we've beaten Sichon, um, we've, uh, we've, we've um, managed to beat uh, everyone that we've come across in, uh, in the wandering in the wilderness. Uh, we beat the most powerful nation on earth a generation ago. We don't know what's left of Egypt or how they're doing anymore, but they're certainly not here. Uh, and so the enemy that's in front of you can be defeated. Now, in our own environment, in our own life, um, <clears throat> it's interesting because we all do it. So I make our own, my own confession here. The problem that presents me tomorrow still seems daunting and still promotes fear and anxiety, even though I know God has been with me uh, all my life. I can tell you great blessings of what God has done for my family and for us. But yet, you know, you wake up tomorrow and, and you face the day and it's always with a little bit of anxiety and trep trepidation. Um, and yet, and so, you know, it's, it, it's easy to see how the Israelites can also do this because we do it too. <clears throat> and so one of the things that it helps us is to constantly remember uh, the great things that God has done for each, for each one of us. And sometimes the best way to remember how, what God has done in, in your life is to sit around with a friend and tell them about it. 
and have them to share with you what God has done in their life and then taking that encouragement and uh, enthusiasm and memory mm. and going forward to face the next giant because there always seems to be giants, never seem to go away. Uh, and so the Lord your God will do the same to them, uh, to, the, to all the peoples you now fear, that you're now afraid of. So you've got God with you. You've seen God do things for you. You've already captured portions of uh, the east bank of the Jordan. Two and a half tribes are setting up shop. So, you know, the invasion's going swimmingly so far, right? You know, we've, we've got success, and yet we're afraid of the guys on the other side. And God says, I know you're afraid of them. Don't be. We can uh, remember what I've done. We're going to be able to beat these guys together. So, but God doesn't want to stop there. A little bit of memory about what God has done in the past. That's not quite enough for the Lord. Now it's time to tell you what he's going to do in the future. And in this case, the animals themselves are going to fight the enemy, right? Not just you guys. So you're going to go out to battle, and uh, when they run away, I'll keep chasing them. And so the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until even the survivors who hide from you will perish. And so uh, God is going to chase the enemy, in this case, using um, some form of nature. So do not be terrified by them. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a great and awesome God. Now, isn't that a nice statement? So where is God with his people? He is with them. He's inside of them. He is uh, alongside of them. He lives uh, amongst his people. This is, uh, uh, I guess, one of the great treasures of, of, uh, of Israel is the revelation to mankind that God lives with his people. He's not just this abstract figure that lives in the sky ready to judge the wicked. Uh, he's actually there with people in all of their dirt and filth and muck and, and desert wanderings. Um, God himself is going to go into the land with them. He came out of Egypt with them, and he's been traveling with them. He's always been among them, and now he's going to go into Israel with them, which is also a, a very nice thing. And you happen to see that um, I was reading yesterday the uh, prophet Zechariah, Zechariah. And as I was reading that, uh, those, his prophecies, many times in, in Zechariah, uh, Zechariah, God says, I will return to Jerusalem. Right? As, which is actually it's an incredible statement, isn't it? I'm coming back to my city. So I know we're all sitting in exile here, and we're going to go back and we're going to rebuild the city, but I'm coming back to Zion. And uh, you're coming too. We're all going together. But, but this, this sort of idea that the Lord himself will set up shop. And you get some very eschatological moments of Zechariah, some very um, uh, apocalyptic battles. You also get the little humble king riding in on a donkey, making his appearance. Okay, you also get the spirit of God um, uh, wanting to fill um, the, the city as well, 
which is very nice. But uh, here again, God is with his people. He's going in with them. However, you're still going to have to come to the, to the point where Israel is going to have to do some fighting. They're going to have to uh, rough and tumble it. It's not just that God will blaze the way and uh, we'll just follow in behind him and you know, pick up the pieces. And not only that, while we're too busy picking up the pieces, uh, the animals will start tearing apart whatever's left. There's going to have to be some hard work on our side. And this is going to be traumatic. So we're going to need uh, each other to get, deal through the trauma of battle, the trauma of losing loved ones in battle. Okay? And, um, and, uh, and it's interesting that in this country, you always mix Yom HaZikharon and Yom HaZikharon together. Yeah? So you, you first remember the guys who fell and, uh, and, and lost their lives, and then you celebrate. But let's first remember that it's been traumatic. It hasn't been um, a clean sweep. Every time we go to war, somebody doesn't come back. Okay? And, um, and that is one of the things that uh, I'm always reminded um, about war, particularly in this country when um, you know, Hamas shoots rockets and everybody wants to invade uh, Gaza and let's just go in there and do a number on them. Well, that's all well and good, but we might send in a 1,000 soldiers, but only 960 are going to come back. Right? Uh, you're going to have to tell someone's mother and, or, or, uh, and father and, and brothers and sisters, you know, we're very grateful that your family get paid the ultimate sacrifice. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's hard. And um, so there's that aspect uh, of suffering. And I think uh, as, a, as a believer in Jesus, and I'm, hopefully you're all there as well, um, we suffer these things together, right? Um, I think we probably all could um, know stories of, uh, of the saints, that uh, our own brothers and sisters, who have suffered in the name of the Messiah in a whole variety of different ways. And some of them are suffering right now, right? And, uh, and yet the victory is still assured, yes, right? The success, the reward is still coming, yes. But for that little bit of, 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 uh, of time, there is going to be this pain and suffering. But we don't do it alone, and we certainly don't do it without God. And uh, so God is with us, and he is great, and he is awesome. And then in verse 22, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. And here, it's not just God doing it and we're just watching. It's our participation in with the plans of God. He's going to do it little by little. Right? Um, why, why does it do it that way? Any idea? Why don't we just win? You know, and, and who, wants to, who wants the rocket ship and the, and the million shekels right now? We all do. Okay? But perhaps that getting it all in one hit is not a good idea. Wild beasts of pride would overwhelm us. <laughs> Wild beasts of pride. Ooh. Pride. Yes, the nastiest of sins, yes. Um, and yeah. um, in, in some other place, the Lord said that um, he will not let them take over the land immediately so that their children coming after them will also learn war, um, so that they will not um, 
misappropriate what they have just received on the platter of gold. They might need to understand the sacrifice that is paid for the freedom they're enjoying. It's possible. Yep. There, um, that, yes. Uh, the, the, the generation where you give everything to them is the, is, the, is the one where Moses says, that's the one that's in danger. Right? At the beginning of, of, of Deuteronomy, he says, uh, you're going to go into the land, you're going to have uh, sit-in houses you didn't build, you're going to have vineyards you didn't plant, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic, and then you'll forget me. And you go, oh, you know, so in, in your success, you're going to fail. So perhaps you want to keep your attention for a while so that you, you learn the walk, walking out your salvation with fear and trembling as opposed to just getting it and then um, that's it. So there's somehow, somewhere on the way, the journey is good. But here, little by little, because you will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or uh, the, the warning here is the wild animals will multiply around you. Right? And um, now isn't that interesting that uh, evil nations, well, they're bad, but them animals, they're worse. <laughs> okay, um, you gotta watch out for uh, the bears and the lions and the and the stuff. I mean, they're, they're, they'll just they'll just get too big. Okay, uh, as opposed to the problem that we seem to have in our current world, where we seem to be able to wipe out animals uh, quite quite well. Although, let's all remember the great emu war uh, in Australia, where we we sent the Australian army to fight emus and lost. Okay, now isn't that fun? Um, all the great dingo fence where we built a fence against dingoes and that failed as well. So uh, <laughs> creation, very powerful. All right. But the Lord your God is in verse 23. The Lord your God. Now, um, uh, Adonai Lehenu, that is a, uh, Adonai Lehecha is um, uh, used over 300 times in this text in Deuteronomy. So this is a, this is a very common statement where Moses constantly says, the Lord, your God, okay? as opposed to mine or something very particular for you. He will deliver them over to you and throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. So there's a little bit of uh, the battle plan that uh, springs up here. Is that, that there might be seven of these nations, but they're not going to be able to unite for some reason. Right? Um, uh, what's that expression you have? There's no honor among thieves. Right? So it's kind of nice that all the bad guys in the world don't unite. Okay? They actually fight each other just as much as they like to rob and steal from everybody else. And, uh, and here, these seven very powerful nations will not come together in a, um, in a coalition which would have been the logical, smart thing to do, right? Your land's being invaded, best thing to do, let's all send our armies, we'll push them out, and then we can go back to killing each other later. Um, but somehow, God is going to throw these guys into confusion. He will do that to the, your, your enemies, and you'll see that. You'll see your enemy in confusion. And that will give you time. That will give you the opportunity to rebuild your forces. That will give you the opportunity to uh, plant crops after you've captured some territory so you can actually eat. Because what's going to happen as soon as they enter the land of Israel? What's going to stop? The manna is going to stop. Okay? The, the water from the rock is going to stop. 
The clothing's going to start to wear out. The great pillar of cloud is not going to uh, start telling us where to go. We're going to have to start doing this all of ourselves. So we're going to need time to uh, um, plant. We're going to need time to make wow. our living. We're going to need time to prepare for the next war. So preparation's a big deal, you know, in the, in the future. We're get, like for us, we're going to need time to prepare ourselves through Bible study, through learning, through getting ourselves better in the word, uh, practicing uh, one engagement with the enemy after another, but never the whole thing. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a growth. It's a, or as, you know, here it is, little by little. Um, I remember when uh, well, I became a believer, uh, I was bulletproof and I could have taken on the devil, you know, that day. You guys could have done the same? And aren't you glad God said, uh, no, I won't throw the devil at you yet? I think that's a pretty bad idea. Um, okay? it's a, we, we've taken the opportunity to grow and learn uh, and uh, hopefully grow in wisdom. And uh, all those trials and tribulations along the way have all added somehow to our story. Uh, and it's been little by little. So the enemy's in confusion. Uh, verse 24, he will give their kings into your hands and you will wipe out their Aaron, Yes, sir. I have a question on that verse. So what is the Hebrew word for destruction? Is it Hamas? No, it wouldn't be Hamas. It's Ashmada, isn't it, Arya? Avarata. 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 So we have it in three, three different um, Forms. T tenses, right? Like shall destroy, then as a noun, destruction, and then until they be destroyed. So that's like future past, or I don't know how to call it. Yes. Yeah. That, yes, it's a, yeah. It's the same word, right? Yeah. Um, no, it's two different Hebrew. words. One is leha'avid, yeah. which means to uh, cause to be lost. The other is uh, Lahashmid, destroy. That's, yes, see, Lahashmid is the, Hashmada is the extermination. Right, um, Lahashmid. Like, if you lose something, you say, you know, Avadati, I lost it, right? Um, so, uh, yeah. Although, in verse 24, what have you got? I've got... Uh, Vanatan uh, those I will be give the kings into your hand. So that means, yeah, the, the name will be lost under heaven. Is that the like blot it out, area? right? Because the Hashmid is, is at the bottom. Yes. Yeah, so the extermination comes at the end. So, interesting. Okay, so their name, their name uh, will be lost under heaven uh, or in um, wipe out their names from under heaven. No one will be able to stand up against you and you will destroy them. Okay, that's the Lashmid. So the, uh, the, the Hebrew there is their names are lost. Okay. Um, there, you, we don't we don't talk about uh, Jebusites anymore, right? We don't mention uh, Hittites or the, you know, the, there's a group. Of, there's peoples that have just ceased to exist, and there are others. Yes, 
right? There are other tribes that disappeared, okay? And we discussed them in the past, perhaps also because their tribes were, um, were also so against uh, God. For example, you know, the cultures that in, engaged in human sacrifice in, um, in Southern America, you know, um, that uh, what they were doing was so bad and so evil that they get destroyed. And all we have then, you know, is just small ruins. Okay. So no one is going to be able to stand up against this. But uh, as, as part of this victory, this victory again comes with the warning. And the warning is idolatry, which is the great sin of the first temple period. It is that the, the images of their gods, you are to burn in the fire. And uh, do not cover the gold and the silver that's even on those images. Don't take it for yourselves. Or you'll be ensnared by it. It's going to trick you, for it is detestable to the Lord your God. And there are things that God doesn't like, which is an interesting well, quote. It, in, in, there are some versions like that says abomination, right? And for me, that is such a stronger word that, it goes more beyond that than not just like. There are things I don't like. There are things I hate. And there but for me, abomination. It's it, maybe detestable is is a better synonym, but I think it goes beyond that. Okay, Aria Kaylee, in verse uh, twenty-five. What's the um? Toeva. It's oh, yeah, a very strong word, toeva. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Abomination. Yeah, I have abomination as well. I don't think I've ever used that word in modern Hebrew. <laughs> we use it as a verb usually. Litza ev is the ultimate uh, rejection. Uh, it's more than hatred. It's more than hatred? Yeah. Litza ev, reject completely. Mm. Yeah, because this. I he think guessed, like guest is a good translation. Which new, one? Newer versions yeah. try to smooth it out, try to soften it, right? Don't know. No, no, no. But is it guest? <laughs> I, I think I was. Yeah. It's, um, it says ad abhorrent in my own translation. Abhorrent? Okay. Abhorrent, yeah. Abhorrent, yeah. Now, because God doesn't change, right? I am the same yesterday, today, and forever which means there are things that are still abhorrent, detestable, or an abomination to the Lord. So he has not become um, the nice little uh, uh, sugar daddy, uh, the nice God who only ever says <laughs> nice things. And, um, you know, you can do whatever you like uh, in relation to God because he'll just eventually say, oh, well, I love you anyway, and um, so I'm, I'm going to be nice. Because that's just who I am, you know. I'm just such a nice guy. There's a side of uh, there's things in the creation that are detestable, abhorrent, an abomination before the Lord, and they have been there, and they are there, and they will be there until the final consummation of, of history as we know it. Uh, in fact. You know, uh, in the final battle or towards the end, uh, what that great thing we, we look not look forward to, but look uh, or to see on the mount of uh, on the Mount Zion, the abomination of desolation, right? That that thing that is detestable uh, to the Lord. 
So here it's in, it's, in, it's in, involved with idolatry, that there are no other gods, there, there is only one God in heaven, but there's something about seeing an image that is attractive to us. There's something about things that move uh, even us as believers, uh, not away from the Lord, but too often try and make them develop a syncretism with our faith. And, um, and the warning here is don't. Okay? Those images, those, these, these false things, burn them, get rid of them. Um, and even the stuff that's wrapped around it, the, the silver and the gold, because these things would have been wealthy. They would have been, yeah, yeah I mean. Uh, the, the dedicated, dedicated, offered and dedicated yeah. to the idols. And impressive, right? Yeah. You, you, we still even look at them today. You know, you go to Athens and everyone visits the, the Pantheon and you go and see the ruins but as they are, but they're still impressive ruins of temples. And you go, wow, it's really kind of cool. But these are not places that... Aaron, but also yeah. the, the cross in the wilderness that Moses put up, that, that is also a similar line, isn't it? Uh, you mean the one that he put the snake on a pole? Yes, because only, only when we get to Hezekiah is that thing destroyed. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we, um, we ended up carrying around this icon, which means that it's, it's here with them. Yeah. Right? Now, you would think that Moses, would, he's, if he's talking to this, you know, don't you do images, uh, images are bad. Oh, and by the way, that silly thing you're still carrying around at the back of the camp, it, well, someone smashed that already. Um, we don't say that. We're not 100% sure what they did with it. Um, it's possible that they just sort of folded it up and, and packed it along with the, the, um, the tabernacle, uh, but it does end up becoming an idol for worship later. Yeah, they, they refer to it as Nuhashtan, isn't it? Nuhashtan. Yeah. And the other curiosity in these things is that the temple worship included, you know, 12 bulls under the great big laver right. and you know images of cherubim yeah. all the way through the temple and the tabernacle on the curtains and the walls you know these yeah. so and maybe and maybe these didn't become a snare but there were still representations of things very closely associated with worship yes absolutely i, I one of my favorite sites uh, and i know yours is, is it too roddy is going to shiloh shiloh that's a great place if anybody has ever had a chance to go there. It's great. Um, and when you go there, you discover, wow, look at this tabernacle, and they've done a really good job. But there's images everywhere. Mm. And it was, um, I mean, every, everything that, where you looked was colorful, de decorated, and adorned. Um, and so, yeah, there is this part of, of worship of the Lord, which is healthy, which mm. is good. Uh, and is not railed against by any of the prophets. And, uh, and so when we come to the temple, the temple was beautiful. We did have silver and gold. And um, we didn't, uh, King Solomon didn't just have one um, menorah in the temple. How many did he have? And, uh, eleven. 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 Yeah, 11. Yeah, 11. Okay, we got, well, one good. I'll add another 10. Got to be better, you know. <laughs> uh, I am, after all, the wise man, and this is obviously a very wise thing to do, right? You know, 
and and so there was you know, quite a lot of uh, of these things. But in particular here, it's this it's this other idol worship, this other uh, other images that have no association to the Lord. We don't know what that they might have looked like as we. Um, don't find too many of them. The, the idols that we find in antiquity these days, the ones of clay, quite small uh, and, and not as decorative. But there, there would have been something, something quite large. Uh, the last verse, a warning to us or to the people of God, do not bring a detestable thing into your house. This is dangerous. Um, you will set it apart for destruction, regard it as vile, and make sure that we detest it. Okay, we have to consider such things as abhorrent um, because uh, it is set apart for destruction. Okay? And uh, the danger is if we embrace it and its power then uh, or its attraction, then God says we're, we're also set apart for destruction. Um, you would think with such a great warning we would never do such a thing, um, but isn't the enemy crafty? Isn't he sly? Isn't he? And, uh, and he's very good at uh, making dark things look light and, and uh, bad things look good and, uh, and things that are, are unhealthy, healthy. Um, however, uh, the warning here is particularly against idolatry. Uh, there is only for us one God, and our God is with us, and he is among us, which is an absolute blessing. He is great, powerful, and awesome, which is the best God to have with you, uh, who has done incredible things. In, in here it's relation to Pharaoh in Egypt and the exilic wanderings, but all of us have stories of how great and wonderful God is and, and how much he has actually been involved in our families and our families' lives and in the history of our families. Uh, and, uh, and here he has given us a, a clear command, you know, have no, nothing to do with the idols of the land, to have nothing to do with the, the gods of, of, of these peoples. Uh, he has not told us to wipe out Lebanon or Egypt or Assyria or Babylon. That's, that's uh, something else. Uh, in later verses and later prophets, Assyria and, and Egypt are called uh, of the Lord. They are his people. They are his blessings. They are his uh, joy. But there was something about these people that... Um, was so bad that uh, in their hatred of the Lord, in his justice, which is reciprocal, right? Love me, you'll get loved. Hate me, and you won't like it. And, uh, and okay, and, and, and you get that reciprocal nature all the way from Abraham, yes? Yeah. If someone blesses you, I'll bless. If someone curses you, they're not going to like what, what comes after them. Um, these these uh, nations they they had to go, and what's uh, we we did discuss it last week in that um, the Jebusites are mentioned here, and uh, and so are the Hittites, and so while the large portion of these guys are done, 
there are sections of their societies and communities that are not destroyed that even become involved in the people of God uh, in a positive way. So in, in, for the Jebusites, it's mm -hmm. to live a coexisting life alongside uh, King David and the people of Israel, and we get to purchase the Temple Mount property from one of them. Uh, with David, also with the Hittites, he even chooses uh, some heroes, which end up fighting with him and for him, and also therefore on behalf of the people of God. So, uh, which is also a, a nice part of the Lord. That even when we come to wiping out Jericho, not everybody going to get wiped out. There will be those that can join uh, the people of God, and it's always nice to have that little bit of hope too. That that uh, we might see vast array of evil before us. We might know that the Lord's judgment is coming upon them, but it's always an opportunity to save someone. We've always got that time to be able to save, even if it's just one day, which is also a very nice. Aaron, just because can I chip in? Just you mentioned the destruction of Jericho there, and uh, I, I recently learned something which was very interesting. There's a, a DVD produced maybe about five, six, seven years ago called Patterns of Evidence, which is about the um, Israelites in Egypt. The archaeological evidence provided you are open enough to uh, recognise it, and one of the things they talk about is the archaeological evidence of the destruction of Jericho, which I mean Jericho is destroyed, but just the timing of it is a real matter of debate. But if you go back a bit further in time, there is this, there, there is clearly a destruction there, and these guys explain why this is actually the one we're interested in. But the, the key detail, which is really fascinating, is that on the north side of the uh, archaeological excavation, there were some houses built into the outer wall, which therefore it strengthened the outer wall significantly. And uh, this is the only part of the wall that wasn't destroyed. And we have a little story about uh, a woman who cared for the, uh, who received the spies, looked after them, misdirected the people who were chasing them and said, remember me when you destroy this city. And they said, yeah, we will. Just make sure you, you're, all the people who recognize you or think the same as you be in this house and you will be spared. And the archaeological evidence shows that there is a house built into the wall of Jericho that did not get destroyed, but the rest of the walls did get destroyed. Yeah. Well, that, that it's was... great. I've seen that documentary. It's an excellent documentary. Patterns of yeah. evidence. Well yeah, worth yeah. anybody. It, it is. Absolutely. It is. I mean, that, that, I've never come across that before. That's a fantastic piece of just nugget of information that there is archaeological evidence for the house of Rahab that was preserved during the, the earthquake that destroyed all the rest of the walls of Jericho. Oh, God um, never leaves himself without a witness. That's awesome. Absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to do with our, our text? Um, yep. Had to wrestle with the destruction of the nations. Um, but I think yeah. there's a lot to learn in there too. I think there's a lot of lessons for us as believers. Absolutely. Um, just to add one thing that um, where a lot of time, a lot of people do a teaching and they kind of portray the God of the New Testament as different from the God of the Old Testament, um, as the kind God and the God of the Old Testament is a very vicious God. And that's not the true picture of who God is. God is complete. Um, the Bible I've always says a consuming fire. In fact, he introduced himself in Malachi. He says, I'm the Lord, I change it not. And also in the book of Hebrews, he says that um, 
Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's the same. And he has always dealt with humanity in the same way, um, which um, he's dealing with us even today. It's the same with the time of... Um, the, uh, the circumstances that are different. For instance, um, it takes time for people to travel very um, during the time of uh, Moses. But today we travel within minutes and we are across nations. And within hours, we can travel from one continent to another. So um, the, the rates at which these things occur are different from now. And so we don't really, we cannot fathom it with our mind in our generation. So that's what, one of the things that we might be seeing that might not correlate with what happens in the scripture. But um, that God is the same and his judgments are still the same is one thing that we should have in mind. Absolutely. I think all of us here would agree with you, Samson. Yep. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks for joining in for another opportunity. Um, I really enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining in. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.